Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blog Talk Radio. Lucis Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations, and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Inner Sight, and our topic for today is the animal kingdom. And we also have a gift for you today, and I hope you stay with it, because I'd like to tell you more about that gift. Uh, And I'd like to begin with this thought. This thought is from Alice Bally. Alice Bally is the founder of Lucis Trust, and uh, everything that is spoken about in this uh, show is based on the works of Alice Bally. So when you listen to our dialogue, realize that all of our conversations emanate from one of her 24 volumes of books. And the quote that uh, we're mentioning today that comes from the works of Alice Bailey is the following. In the coming age, the relation between the human and animal kingdoms will become increasingly close. The service of the animal to man is well recognized and of ceaseless expression. The service of man to the animals is not yet understood, though some steps in the right direction are being taken. It it gives me pause for thought to wonder how mankind uh, can be of service to the animals, but I I certainly feel good about that thought because throughout man's history, uh, animals have been of great service uh, to man, and sometimes we really haven't treated them with the uh, dignity that we should have treated them with them with. Uh, can we see an increasing closeness between humans and animals? Yes, we can. I'm still um, pondering on your little pun, uh, giving you pause for thought. Yes, Um, human beings are uh, gaining a sense of service to the animal kingdom, I think, through uh, the wonderful research that's been conducted in the last few decades. People like Jane Goodall, who has spent, I think, three or four decades in Africa studying chimpanzees, and Diane Fossey, who studied the gorillas, and another woman um, scientist in Borneo who's been studying the orangutans. Those are three people, interestingly, three women, who have uh, given years and years of their lives to um, focusing in on one particular species and really uh, gaining an in-depth understanding of uh, what what motivates uh, those animals. So I think that's one example of um, service to animals. Um, another is um, the uh, scientist, another woman. I think her name is Francine Patterson in um 
Stanford University in California who has done a lot of experimentation with teaching a gorilla named Coco to use sign language. And uh, the uh, communication they've developed has uh, led to amazing insights into the mind of a gorilla. They've found uh, by communicating with this gorilla that her favorite color is red and that she loves to ride in the car with the window down and she loves to go to McDonald's for a hamburger. And she wanted a kitty. She signed at one point that she wanted a kitty. So they got her a kitten, which she named herself uh, All Ball. <laughs> and uh, that's um, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. There's another experiment in, I think it's in Georgia, that's uh, working with chimpanzees to learn computer language. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, they wow. use a, a keyboard affair that uh, they punch these keys that have symbols on them, and each symbol means something that the chimps uh, understand, and they can ask for food or water or their toy or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, they can communicate That's with amazing. their directors. Really so that they can make make their thoughts and their desires uh, known, and uh, they can express them through this keyboard. And there is also, of course, the, the talk about the uh, service that animals do or perform to humans is, of course, you see that in the seeing eye dogs, and uh, those have just started, uh, well, early in this Mm -hmm. century, that whole uh, great service was founded, and that's a tremendous service for for the blind. And then there are, lately, there has been a lot about um, uh, dogs that are used to... um, in, in hospices and in hospitals and in nursing homes, they come in and they just, they're there and they're their happy self and the the um, patients really respond to these dogs and cats too, I guess. But they're, they're so outgoing, the dogs, the animals, and they seem to sense that uh, they're somehow helping these human beings and they're bringing out uh, a real loving quality and even with autistic children, I've heard that uh, animals can <clears throat> draw these children out in in ways that uh, other techniques have not been successful in doing. So, Coming back to the idea of service of man to the animals, um, there's another uh, aspect to consider, and that is the, the, the mind of the human being apparently is a means of... Um, of impression or of um, impact upon the consciousness of the animal and that this is a form of service that human beings can can render to the animal kingdom, I suppose particularly to companion animals, domestic animals. But um, apparently, according to the writings of Alice Bailey, the ability of human beings to teach animals through discipline, through the impact of the will, is a, a quickening or a stimulation upon the evolution of animals. And it makes me think of that British woman who had a very popular TV program some years ago. I think her name was Barbara Wodehouse. Maybe some of our listeners will remember her. It was on PBS, and she was a, she was like a drill sergeant with these dogs. No nonsense was tolerated. She was all discipline and uh, no soft edges about her, and they adored her. She would uh, take them on what she called walkies, and uh, these animals would come to her the most goofy 
uncontrollable, undisciplined, <laughs> run amuck animals, and she would have them turning into um, disciplined uh, little lap dogs in a matter of, I don't know, days or weeks, because somehow the impact of her mind and her consistent discipline on them was just what they needed. Uh, and they were happy. You could see that the animals adored her. So that's an example of the the impression, I suppose, that the human being can um, make upon an animal. Yeah, I think some of those, <laughs> I recall that show, some of the uh, tra- uh, the uh, owners were had more problems than they did with the animals. As a matter of fact, <laughs> they were they were pretty unruly people themselves, and they couldn't uh, they couldn't uh, um, give in to the discipline. So they didn't have the will to discipline their animals, but she did. <laughs> yeah. So. Do animals suffer in the same way that people do? I don't think we we would know how to answer that. Um, because we don't really know what goes on in the consciousness of an animal. There is an element of mystery because they are a different kingdom, but uh, certainly we can say they suffer in their own way. They they can experience fear and terror and loss. Um, mm-hmm. There was an example from my childhood that I still remember. My uncle had uh, two dogs, a Doberman Pinscher and a Boston Terrier. And another uncle of mine ran over the Boston Terrier with his tractor. And the poor Doberman Pinscher lay on the grave of the Boston Terrier for a week and died. Uh, I suppose just out of sheer heartbreak to have lost his friend. So we know that, yes, animals do suffer, but they don't have the self-consciousness, the sense of self-identity, apparently, that a human being does. And... So they don't have a sense of memory or of anticipation of the future that might manifest as dread that causes so much of human beings suffering. You know how our imaginations just can create the most awful future imaginations that never are really realized a great deal of the time. Apparently, guessing, animals don't uh, have that. The animals don't have the developed mind that uh, is present in a man or in a human being. And uh, animals do suffer physically, and they do suffer, as you mentioned, emotionally or sentiently, you might say. But uh, that mental that aspect is not as developed. And as you say, they they, uh, they don't uh, experience that anticipation or the imagination or the remorse or uh, the uh, they don't have that urge to reach out to divinity which often brings a sense of loss and failure and that sort of thing so they don't they don't experience that kind of uh, suffering but uh, certainly the physical suffering they do yes I had a, a cat Bijou Noir that passed away a couple of years ago and I still miss that cat and uh, she still lives deep within me and I'd like to think that she has a soul do animals have souls Well, it's another question that we human beings don't really know the answer to. It's one that uh, a lot of people have um, wondered about. Uh, I suppose they have the soul uh, of an animal. Uh, One of the mistakes I think we human beings do make out of our love for animals is to 
anthropomorphize them. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not uh, very articulate today. We turn them into little people, and they're not. They have the dignity of being their animal selves. But according to the writings of Alice Bailey, animals um, don't have the individuated soul that a human being does because they don't have that sense of identity that is uniquely a human being's um, uh, problem that we think we are separated uh, and uh, precious and unique uh, individuals, which we are, but we don't have such a sense of our group connection. Animals, on the other hand, uh, are said to belong to a group soul. And uh, somehow I find that very comforting, that the thought that when an animal dies, that fragment of the group soul is reclaimed mm -hmm. uh, on some mysterious level. Yeah, I think that group soul. Um, I don't. I'm not sure about this, but I think sometimes you get you, you see it demonstrated in, uh, well, herds of animals that are that stampeding together. They, they're all moving in one body. You're right. And, yeah, they and, act uh, as one. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah they act mm -hmm. as one, and you see it very strongly in schools of fish, certain mm -hmm. cool schools of fish. They all, they birds too, yeah. Birds. Right, yeah. And um, so there, there is a sense of wholeness, of oneness, among that they all share an experience. But of course it's just not this individualized uh, sense. Another example that uh, I think suggests the soul is uh, research into elephants now knows that uh, for they form clans or groups, family groups, and that when one of their group dies, the elephants go through a period of mourning. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. They, mm -hmm. There was a program um, uh, by the National Geographic Society a few years ago called Reflections on Elephants that was a marvelous um, program, and it gave you a sense of the mystery of um, elephants that we know so little about them. And uh, they do mourn when one of their group dies. Uh, they stay and pine for the uh, the dead member for a while. That suggests the soul in the sense of attachment and uh, relationship. The quality, I suppose, on the animal level of, of love, mm -hmm. concern for the, the other animal. Another example I remember from some years ago was the keeper, if that's what it's called, of an aquarium, who told about his many years of work with fish, and uh, he told of a, a sturgeon, which was part of his aquarium, being very, very sick, near death. And one day he witnessed two other sturgeons swimming with this sick sturgeon, one mm -hmm. on each side of it to keep it afloat and aerating its, wow. its gills. And he wasn't... Um, he didn't strike me as a sentimental man yeah, or yeah, a, a okay. dreamer or whatever. He was reporting something he witnessed, and one can only speculate, but it certainly seemed that they were acting on behalf of the sick. Yeah, this is interesting the because these are qualities we generally attribute to uh, human beings, qualities of compassion perhaps and uh, mm -hmm. intelligence. And um, when I we think of the porpoise too, that's, uh, there's amazing right. research been done on the porpoise. Right, porpoises and whales. I think there's um, been a, for, for eons of time a, a recognition within human beings that animals have some soul. But um, I think the first person that really taught it as a doctrine was the uh, Emperor Ashoka of India um, hundreds if not a thousand years ago. And he was... Um, 
a powerful man who was able to make it a crime, I believe, to harm animals. And uh, he was kind of a, a pathbreaker in that sense. He, he taught the uh, compassion that human beings should express to animals. And we have now societies that are devoted to protecting animals and animal rights. I think there is this awareness that uh, there is a soul. And for those people who just tuned in, you're listening to Inner Inner Sight, and our topic for today is the animal kingdom. And if you're interested in purchasing the book uh, that this particular show is based on, once again, uh, all of our shows are based on the works of the writings of Alice Bailey, the founder of Lucis Trust. And if you want to go into greater depth on what we're speaking about today, the animal kingdom, you might want to purchase a book called Esoteric Psychology, Volume 1. And if you call and you order that book, there's a uh, 10% discount. And, and that's uh, that's only if you order from us, by the way. Uh, give us a call at one 695 8247 And I mentioned earlier in the show that uh, Dale and Sarah is very generously offering you a gift. Uh, all you have to do is call us up, and you can have that gift. It's called it's a booklet, and it's called the Science of Meditation. And I think uh, after you read this, you'll agree with me that you'll learn more about how to concentrate, learning concentration techniques, and through meditation, how meditation could enhance your ability to concentrate. And you'll come away with. Uh, an ability, perhaps, or more of a uh, more of an ability uh, to use the mind in a, in a much more focused way, and more importantly to all of us at Lucis Trust is through the booklet you might pick up on the idea of how meditation can be used can be used to service humanity. So it's a meditation. The ability to meditate is a uh, is an ability that lies within all of us, and I think that by Looking at this booklet, uh, you might actualize that particular ability. But to order our books, our cassette tapes of the radio shows, cassette tapes of some of our of some of our books, and also the uh, a free booklet containing the Great Invocation, which is um, a prayer that uh, we enjoy a lot. Uh, or, or, by the way, if you'd like a schedule of our meditation meetings, if you'd like to join us, or for more information on our own uh, on our organization, a general package of information. You can give us a call for, uh, for at one eight six 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 nine five eight two four seven one eight six six. An easy way to remember it is one eight six six N Y Lucis L U C I S. That's one eight six six N Y Lucis L U C I S. Our website is www.lucistrust.org, and our email is New York at lucistrust.org. And remember that the work of Lucis Trust, including this program, is funded in- entirely by voluntary donations, so we welcome your donations as a means of keeping us on the air. Abraham Lincoln said the following, I care not much for a man's religion whose dog and cat are not the better for it. What do you think Lincoln meant by this? Well, his syntax is a little mangled, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think we get his drift that um, I, you can't claim to be a religious person, you cl- can't claim to love God and uh, to be devout if you then turn around and mistreat those who are um, in your care in the sense of being the weaker or the lesser. 
and that applies um, to children and uh, the disabled and the sick and elderly, and particularly to the lower kingdoms like the animals who don't have the same um, um, mentality that a human being has. This is, um, I think, the idea behind uh, the that very poignant book, um, To Kill a Mockingbird. If you remember, that was a story about a retarded man who was abused by his community, and uh, the character played by Gregory Peck pointed out to his children that it's um, a sin to treat such a person in um, such a way just as it's a sin to kill a mockingbird yeah. because all it does is sing that. and make yeah. life uh, beautiful. And it's also the theme of that wonderful poem, um, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by Coleridge. A mariner um, killed an albatross for no reason at all, just for the heck of it. And he suffered the torture of guilt and shame by having this albatross draped around his neck. And uh, he had to examine his consciousness and um, uh, realize that, it, again, it's a sin to kill a creature that um, has done no harm to you. Uh, religion, I think, uh, depends upon our ability to live our spiritual beliefs in an expression toward those around us and the world around us and not claim just to love God and mistreat yeah. our own family and our pets and so on. And what I, what I like about the writings of Alice Bailey and about Lucas Trust is there's such a theme running through all 24 volumes. Not that I've read all of them, but every every part of them that I've read so far, the theme seems to be a respect for the dignity of all life, not mm -hmm. just human beings, which yeah. uh, which I really value a lot. I like the approach to that thought that Alice Bailey sets forth in her books. Schweitzer touched on that too, Albert Schweitzer. His, uh, his idea of reverence for all life was central to his teaching. And also, I just want to say this too, that uh, we have 24 volumes of books, and if you decide that you'd want to really uh, explore the Lucis Trust books written by Alice Bailey, you can certainly do so, and if you order all 24 books, so all 24 volumes, you do get a 10% discount. And another gift that I forgot to mention is the cassette tape that you can order from us, too. We'll be happy to give you that as a gift, beginning to meditate. Once again, you can call us at 1-866-695-8247, or an easy way to remember it, one 866 NY Lucis, think of New York Lucis, L-U-C-I-S. Uh, what role do the domesticated animals, what role do they play in evolution? The domestic animals are like, um, well, they're on the leading edge, you might say, of the animal kingdom in terms of intelligence. Um, they are, you could also say they are like the initiates of the animal kingdom because they have been, especially those domestic animals that are working so close with human beings. And uh, that's one of the, um, it brings up the idea that one of the, one of the uh, purposes of the human re relationship with the domestic animals, particularly like dogs and cats and horses and elephants, that, and elephants yeah, mm -hmm. that uh, we have a responsibility to these animals to bring them more towards the human kingdom. In other words, that's that's um, the the domestic animals are like a bridging part of the kingdom of the species of the animal from the lower animals to the human stage, and uh, the domestic animals play that part as a as a bridging 
um, agency, you might say. And it's interesting that that bridging, according to the writings of Alice Bailey, will be accomplished not so much through love of the animal as through the impact of the mind. It's um, it's a mental bridging that will occur, and it depends upon discipline, the discipline of the animal. And all of those, uh, well, some people might argue about the cat, but the horse, mm-hmm. the dog, and the elephant respond to discipline. We can also see that uh, communication with these animals is um, bridging the gap. Like uh, we've learned that elephants have a form of communication amongst themselves that uses sonic waves that are below the threshold of human hearing. That's a new, uh, oh, that's new piece of knowledge. That, yeah. They discuss quite a few things mm-hmm. in their elephant way that we don't hear about. Uh, it's fascinating to me what's going on in animal research today. Yes, and as I, as you said, you pointed out, I think what, and I'd like to just repeat it again, that uh, this is a very human responsibility that we have mm-hmm. to the animals to, to, in a sense, teach them to think because we're trying to develop the mind principle in the animal kingdom, and particularly in the domestic animals, so they can eventually, way down the road, thousands of years from now, make that step uh, evolutionary-wise, into the human kingdom, and that's what we're told that will happen, but uh, not right away, but we have a part to play. Us human beings have a part to play in that grand evolutionary uh, step forward for the animal kingdom. profound purpose in the evolution of the animal. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's a tremendous responsibility, and uh, that's where every pet owner can uh, step in and... uh, realize that he has a responsibility to his pet, uh, whether it's a cat or a dog. and So we have to keep that in mind. Do you, do you have any final thoughts on animals? Well, I'd like to come back to the idea that there is a mystery in the um, uh, different kingdoms that make up our planet. We can't fully understand these other kingdoms that contribute to our planet's evolution. God's plan includes far more than just the human strain. And I found this idea beautifully expressed some years ago when I came across a quotation by Henry Breston. It says, referring to animals, they are not brethren, they are not underlings, they are other nations fellow prisoners of the splendor and travail of earth. And to me that sums up beautifully that we cannot fully understand or find our way into the mind and uh, soul of animals. There is a great deal that we are beginning to understand, but there are other aspects of their evolution that are beyond our comprehension. But what's important to come away from that thought is that we must do all that we can to foster and honor their part in the plan and not just uh, use them for human purposes, uh, which is too often what humanity has done, not only with animals but with the vegetable and mineral kingdoms too. They have their part in the plan, and uh, we must try to understand it and serve it. And. I would think that uh, a lot of people out there might want to know more about who we are, and one of the things that I think is appropriate to say is that we're not a religion. People seem to think that we are, but we're not, and you can certainly hold on to your religion. Uh, We're an organization that looks at life in a certain way. We look at the deep questions about life, 
And probably the best way to know about us is to order that general package of information that tells you about our meetings and you can certainly hold on to your religion and this is a what we do is explore life we look at life in a certain way and I think you can pick up the essence of the ideas that we're into by listening to this broadcast and um, and once again if you want to order our books uh, any of our books we have 24 volumes of books all all emanating from Alice Bailey all of her works uh, are here for you esoteric uh, psychology ponder on this and a, a multiple number of other books but give us a call at uh, 1-866-695-8247 or 1-866-NY-LUCIS. And in closing, we invite you to ponder on this thought. Goodwill is the touchstone that will transform the world. Goodwill is love in action. It's the energy that draws us together in right relationship. There is a world prayer called the Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love Stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. If your AC is blowing hot air, let O'Reilly Auto Parts help bring back the cool this summer. While you may need to eventually service your AC unit, get immediate relief with Interdynamics Arctic Freeze R134A refrigerant with leak sealer for $32.99. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.